This is Shine On, the Health and Happiness Show, and Ella's Leash Production. Heard as a podcast around the world, but heard first on radio stations 100.7 WHUD-FM and Real Country 920, 1260, and 1420 AM, all in New York's Hudson Valley. Shine On, bringing you healers and dreamers and people who want to make life richer. It's your time to shine on. Hi, it's Casey. Thank you so much for tuning in to Shine On today. What we're going to talk about is boundaries. And I realize I've been talking about boundaries in just a lot of different ways lately. And maybe it's a pandemic thing, or maybe I'm just way too wrapped up in being analytical and perhaps judgmental. But some people have really been getting on my nerves lately. And these are the no boundary people. I guess maybe it's a reaction of what's happening in the world today. In politics and social media, you can just say anything. It doesn't have to be true or kind. You can just say anything. No boundaries. People are like blindly just spewing. And I've noticed it on a really local level, like in my face kind of level. People with no boundaries. You don't even matter to these people. They just come up to you, they interrupt you, they dump on you, spewing all of these things, too much information, they really don't see you or hear you, they just throw all this stuff up and, or sometimes make you listen to it for hours, and they feel connected and you feel run over or even abused. Like, keep that over there, that's not mine, and you don't even know what's yours, and why are you giving it to me? Do you know what I'm talking about, these people? And you know, I have to admit, at times I think I I do that too. <laughs> oh. So, and even though this may sound really judgy, my underlying intention is I'd love for these no boundary people to feel better because you can't feel good when you are just splat, knowing where you stop and where another person starts. Reading the room taking the temperature of the moment before you rush in and tell everybody your tale, no matter how entertaining you think it is. People with no boundaries are so confusing. It's like, here I am doing my thing and you show up and you're in my face telling me about your mother and your dog and your car and your this and your... Hey, breathe, breathe, people. Come into your body. This isn't a relationship. We're not in relationship. You're spewing on me like a fire hose. It's impossible to engage with that. So it's my understanding that no boundary people are not in relationship. They're in entanglements. So I'm bringing back another guest we had on recently, Nancy L. Johnston. She is a licensed therapist. She's been in practice for many years in Virginia, and she wrote the book Disentangle, When You Lose Yourself in Someone Else. Today, we're going to talk about boundaries. Boundaries cut both ways. So boundaries, they aren't walls between me and another person. They are simply where I end and where the other person begins. They are a line that helps me to know what is mine and and what is not mine. And boundaries work two ways. One is 
I need to respect other people's boundaries. So if we imagine that effective line between where I end and you begin, I, Nancy, want to be mindful that I'm not pushing over into Casey's boundaries by repeatedly asking for something or intruding when you've asked for time for yourself or if you've already said no, and I go back and say, are you sure? So that would be where I, Nancy, as a healing soul, want to pay attention to me honoring the boundaries you have set. The boundaries work the other way as well, and that is I, Nancy, may have someone in my life who wants to come back and violate my boundaries. I've said no, and they keep asking me, or if they want to take more of my time, do you mind if we meet another 30 or 40 minutes here? when I've said I have to pick up the kids or I have things I have to go do. So boundaries work, me honoring someone else's and me, Nancy, cultivating boundaries when people want to infringe on my own. It's interesting. We are violating each other's boundaries often without realizing it. We think, oh, I'm just going to sneak in there and just say, excuse me, you know, I want to just ask one more thing. or And we're being nice about it. But in the doing of it, we're eroding that important line that honors and respects each right, other. Right. I am so guilty of this myself because sometimes I'll come with so much enthusiasm. You know, <laughs> right. Something's in my head and it's about to explode and I've got to share it. And I know I'll interrupt people or I'll get louder than other people. You know, I can see myself like I'm not thinking about boundaries. I'm just not disciplined in my uh, approach sometimes to bringing information. None of these behaviors, say getting really excited about something, is wrong. It's once we have that behavior in play, we do want to keep paying attention to our tone and our pace and our loudness or our impatience and adjust ourself so that we keep that enthusiasm and it is done in a way that is also giving the other person their space to say and think. We are all paced so differently. Just important differences between us to be aware of and honor. And it is. It's honoring another life. It's putting mm-hmm. your own life in perspective and saying, oh, there's other people in the room. They do it other ways. <laughs> Here, right. right. Here's the big question, because we all have that friend who corners us and talks too much when we're trying to leave the room and then drops too much personal information like what I don't need to know this back it up sister and then they have to be in everybody's face and know everybody's name and everybody's business what are they trying to feed what is their need to be like these people who have no boundaries Right, man. Uh, I'd have to try to get into their head, Casey, as you're describing that. One, I would say that at first that they just totally have that habit, that that is their style, um, that that is a a way of communicating. Um, Now I'll go into other possible reasons. It's a way of engaging. It's a way of having something to say. Sometimes people are also looking to create excitement or drama of sorts. I mean, this would depend, it'd be a case-by-case basis. Some people really like to keep energy high and kicking up there. I would say those folks in those moments likely have no awareness 
of that. I have a, a, another person in my life. They aren't intrusive in those ways, but I can sit down with them, and in all honesty, they will talk for an hour and a half mm-hmm. without stopping or there's no conversation going on, and I am worn out, you know, by the lack of back and forth and the just chatting on and on. Right. I would say, as I work with my own examples, that, again, in the spirit of disentangle, what we're trying to figure out is what is under our control in those moments. With this friend, I have learned that I just simply, when there's a pause, say... Well, I hear what you're saying. You know, I'm going to need to go. I find myself having natural ways to limit the conversation. Or, you know, sometimes I even might say, I really don't need all the details mm-hmm. because I don't mm-hmm. feel even good knowing all those details. So notice that we're talking about boundary setting now here. Yeah. Uh, Disentanglement is the book that I love so much by Nancy Johnston. You know, I went out to dinner with a girlfriend once, and the only thing I said was, I'll have the tuna. But in that situation, I feel so used. Like, I didn't need to be me sitting across the table from her. It could have been anyone on the planet. I know. That's one of the things I've learned. And and also that the person is not going to stop themselves. It goes back to how they function and operate. So, Casey, you know, if I get to drift that that's that I want to spend a bit of time with that person, uh, but but I know that their usual M.O. is <laughs> that. That's so mm. funny. I, I'll have it, you know. <laughs> Um, I love it. Um, I really set boundaries right out of the shoot. Um, we're talking about boundary setting. I've noticed with certain people, it's like they have an insatiable need for engagement. It's always too much. And like I just mentioned, it rarely has anything to do with the person they're engaging with. They just need to be heard or something. I can kind of relate to it, too. I remember coming home once and saying to a boyfriend at the time, you know, the man at the post office really didn't want to talk to me today. (laughs) (laughs) And what he said to me was so sweet. He says, Casey, I know those kinds of interactions mean so much to you. Uh-huh. And I realized, yeah. oh, this is a need of mine. I need to go out. That feeds me to have these sweet little conversations with the man at the post office or whomever at the grocery store. Um, right. Yeah, that was a need that I had. But I realized then, gosh, I, that poor man at the at the <laughs> post office, he probably didn't want this chatty person coming in all the time. He was at work, you know, doing right. this thing. Yeah, and probably there was a line. Yeah. And, you know, he probably had a quota of some sort that right. he was trying Trying to trying to meet for the day, Casey. You know, again, I'm I'm taking our conversation and putting it into nuts and bolts. I think we want to do both. I think you want to love that engaging part of yourself, and I mean, look at look at what you do for a living. You know, you create excellent interviews with folks because it is your talent. And I think we want to be aware that everybody is in, in the world wanting the same thing we're wanting. Mm, so much good stuff here, Nancy. Johnston when we talk about disentangling and right now we're talking about setting boundaries and we're actually you know talking about both sides of the issue uh, people who mm-hmm. need to set boundaries and those of us who are experiencing someone who is over engaging to the over engager w- that needs to be uh, whatever it is they're being fed by this over engagement what gift do they give themselves by turning this around and do they even know they're over engaging. 
Right. Well, so a gift they give themselves is to know, one, who are friends who do love to see you coming. <laughs> I have a couple of friends who just love stories that I tell. They're like, they just think I tell a story really well. And But I know they want to hear from me. Mm-hmm. So we want to find the people who do appreciate it, and we do want to find the people who will have a nice back and forth about it too, though, Casey. I mean, I feel like it's fun to have that engagement, but I do want to, as I, as I try to find the people who want to hear from it, I do want to make sure that I'm back and forth, too, right. where I realize, oh, that's enough of me. How are you? You know, what what is going on with you? And I might even directly say, thank you for listening. I love telling my stories. I'm glad you love hearing my stories. But I, 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 really, I really would like to hear from you. Yeah. So I think that making sure we have someone who we do enjoy doing that with and we cultivate the back and forth is a really important, you know, piece of of communication. Now, about how we bring it in awareness if we have no awareness, I think there's probably feedback coming to us about it if we really get out of our own head and pay attention. You know, whether it is <laughs> the postal clerk, I don't know, you know, that 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 was nonverbal communication. Was it a him uh, at the post office? Yes, it was a him, yes. Yeah, you read his behavior. He was like, mm-hmm, no, okay, mm-hmm, thank you. Mm-hmm, yeah. Exactly. And we want to honor that. We want to notice those moments. It is not personal. They are just, that is their way of of setting the boundary. If someone's ordered, asked for the check already, or if someone is, we're at the restaurant again, Casey, you know, right, we're yes. packing up our pocketbook or a backpack. We want to watch the nonverbal and know that it is a boundary as well. Yeah, watch the nonverbal. And I guess it's a whole change of everything because you really have to care about what the other person is feeling and and not just care about being fed. At Casey, 100%. And that's what, if I, I will take it and expand it beyond to the other content of the book. I mean, if I think I have the best idea in the world to fix a problem for you and I push and push and push, I, I'm, I'm over the boundary there. If, if I want to care, give, care, give, care, give, and, and, and the other person is like, stop, stop, stop in some ways, that's what we're talking about. So many of the behaviors that get us entangled, what we're saying applies to them as well. Right. When you're working with someone who doesn't have boundaries, it's not a relationship. It's not. It's an entanglement. It's not even. It is not even. It is not even. It is not the back and forth. And it feels really bad because Mm. when I leave the meal where someone has talked nonstop, I don't feel seen or heard or known at all. And it's not a good feeling. And it certainly does not foster a relationship, which when it's all said and done, folks, disentangle is about helping us with our self-recovery so we can be healthy within a relationship. Right. Because I can't imagine it feels good for them, does it? No, no. No, exactly, exactly. And by the way, a couple of other boundary-setting things. 
when we say I need to go or I, I have an hour and a half, I want to say, folks, let's be careful. We do not have to over-explain that. Mm-hmm. We don't even have to explain that at all. It can be delivered with a simple, I need to leave, I have to get home, period. I can't say enough for the importance of the simplicity and the streamlining of that. When we elaborate, we are creating openings for our boundaries to be broken down. You know, like I need to get home to get the kids to bed. Well, why can't your husband take care of that? And then we're into talking about what's right or wrong about who we're married to. And that's not the topic at all. The, The topic is I... Nancy to get home so I'll be leaving in an hour and a half. So number one is we should set our I statement to set our boundary for For That's true for us. That's true for us. Find your I statement. I need to go. I need to share or not share. I need to think. I need a moment. Um, I need to stop. I need to stop because that's another thing with oversharers. You know, Time and place. Sometimes mm-hmm. they'll come up to you in the middle of your work day and you're like, I'm up to my ears and stuff. I don't need to hear about what's happening with your rash. You know? And Casey, yes. that's where the deeper, harder work is. We do want to cultivate our ability to say, I'm sorry, I'm really busy and can't listen right now. So so we're going to cultivate our I statement if you're on the side of needing to set a boundary. And the person who is the over over-engager, what's an exercise they could do to, to, to firm up their muscles that they need firm? Just to keep in mind, I want to pay attention to how long I've talked. I want to pay attention to how much space I am inhabiting. And, I, and that you can't see me, but I gesture a lot for uh, anyway. And, and how much energy and is my energy making it hard for the other person to have energy and a place and a space in this conversation? Right. I just working on those two would be great. Okay, so that is a, a little bit of boundary setting from both sides of the issue from Nancy Johnston's book Disentangle. One of the other categories that you get into is one of my favorite because I have to say this to myself all the time detach 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 and detach with love detach with love talk to me about that let's talk about the word detach it certainly does not mean that i am going to cross my arms and turn my back and give you the cold treatment that is not what detaching means it means that i realize i am reacting and not acting, that I am saying the first thing that comes out of my mouth, detaching means I want to slow myself down and get a centered self, create some emotional space to create, I'm reading from the book, I have a page right here, to create emotional balance and centeredness within you so you can see the realities of your situation and make healthy decisions about it. Not to necessarily leave, divorce, or end a relationship, but rather to cultivate a healthy self so then you can decide what to do for you and about the relationship in which you are entangled. And it's just a good exercise. Let's just detach for five minutes, okay? I'm just going to put this problem down that I've been tooling around in my head with for days. Just detach from it and and feel what it feels like to not have that entanglement for five minutes or not worry about it. 
that thing for five minutes. Ways to set it aside, folks, might be to write it down on a piece of paper and slip it in a book or a drawer. I mean, if you are having real trouble doing it, you can actually, in a very concrete way, set it aside. You can, in your mind, say, no, I'm going to leave that at home uh, in my closet while I go out today. Do something to help you leave it alone. So when we do that, our sympathetic nervous system is what kicks up adrenaline and cortisol in us. And at a certain level, it's great because it excites us and, you know, we, we're all, we have energy and energizes. But it also is what feeds anxiety. It is also what just really key keeps us stirred up. When we spin out, our adrenaline and cortisol are probably, without a doubt, up. What we want to do, I have a diagram in the back of the book. That side of our system, I call the hot water heater. I don't want to keep my hot water heater going because we know that it scalds. We know that it burns. We know that it can really hurt. It hurts us. It helps the other per- hurts the other person. So with detaching and stepping away, it's not only giving time and space and a break, but if we are really working our program to quiet, it is allowing the parasympathetic nervous system to kick in, which yeah, that's the other side, which I call the calm, quiet lake. And we are really not just taking the break, we are calming and quieting ourselves so that our adrenaline and cortisol are less, the hot water heater isn't pumping that scalding water, we're able to draw up cooler, calmer water out of that lake within us. And in doing that, we can then think more clearly, feel more calmly, all of this is detaching everybody, and then decide what we want to say or do based on that balance. You know, try to detach for a day or two, but if you can only do it for a minute, set the alarm. (laughs) Set the alarm. Set a timer. Give yourself a few minutes and just put it down. So, so healthy. Thank you. Disentangle is the book. There's just so many jewels inside. And I know we wanted to touch on, too, today uh, this life in the pandemic and living closely indefinitely and the things that that can bring up for our entanglements. You know, the pandemic certainly brings up the issue of control and what we can and cannot control. And we can't control the pandemic itself. We can only control our behaviors in response to it right now. That's where we're at. Entanglements, Casey, are all about control as well. We're, entanglements are about trying to control what I can't, which I say is usually the other person, and then trying to not controlling what I can, which is what I say is myself. So with the pandemic and us living closely indefinitely, we are really set up to be watching each other. It's back to the boundaries. We've covered good material for this already today. We are much more often in the presence of children, teens, and other adults living in the home. And so our temptation, if we're inclined toward over-functioning for others, is to be really watching what are they doing? Are they doing it the way you would like it to be done? And can, you know, all, all of these types of things. Children, we do have to parent. So I'm not, nothing I'm saying is really applied to children. We do still have to be good guidance and support and discipline as needed, support for school stuff. 
when we get into our relationship with teens and then into adults uh, in the home, we want to be more, much more mindful about trying to realizing if we have said, um, you sure are on the computer a lot. I had no idea you were on the computer all the time. So there we could be really tempted to get in a tangle on trying to manage their time on the computer. And I say that it's a caution. I think that we can say it. I am concerned about the amount of time you're on the computer. And then I say, be careful right now. Let's not get into a tangle over that. Instead, here's what I say. Let's go to the controlling yourself. Go back and focus on your own day and your own life. And I've been mentioning to folks, just start your day with you, even if it's five minutes, to sit down. Somebody said, we don't even know what day it is. So sit down in a bit of quiet for five minutes. Look at what day it is. See where that is on the calendar. See how it is in relationship to maybe birthdays or anniversaries that are coming up. Think about what you would like to accomplish for yourself during the day. One, two, or three things. Set your own intention and let those things be your anchor for you as you stumble out and you see, you know, you don't agree with what other people are doing. If you can't control what they're doing, if it's not yours to control, please go back and anchor in what's going to help you have the day that you would like to have for you. I mean, it may be that I want 20 minutes to call a friend, or it may be that I am going to step out of this house and walk for 30 minutes. Those would be really important intentions to have set for yourself during all of this. And relatedly, I say two things. Be careful not to try to get everyone, you say, oh, the walk would be great. I'm going to get everybody in the household to come with me on the walk. We can try that, but don't get tangled with it. If people like, I don't want to go, you know, let it go. Do it for you. Do these things that anchor back in you for you. Our temptation is to get the whole team involved, and that is a potential tangle. And it's way better to do these things for yourself first. Oh, that is such good advice from Nancy L. Johnston. And I feel the embarrassment of some of the moms saying, yes, I tried to get the whole family to exercise with me or do whatever project. Oh, of course your intentions were amazing. I hope your efforts met great success. Okay, Nancy L. Johnston, a therapist. She's from Virginia. We're already planning her next trip back because I need it. (laughs) Oh, my goodness. Her book is called Disentangle, and I actually carry it with me. Um... Okay, so because I realize this this whole boundary situation bugs me, you know, you spot it, you got it. I probably have a little in me. This is the uh, latest sticky note on my computer at work. It's the Spanish proverb, and it's our thought for the day. Don't speak unless you can improve the silence. Have a great week. Shine on. You've been listening to Shine On, the health and happiness show for your entertainment only. Heard Sunday mornings on 100.7 WHUD and on Real Country's 920, 1260 and 1420 AM, all in New York's Hudson Valley. Subscribe to Shine On on iTunes and SoundCloud and catch a show anytime at Casey.co. That's K-A-C-E-Y dot C-O. Shine On.